I will confess that my initial idea was to make you stand for the entire sermon today in honor of our scripture text from Nehemiah, but I won't do that, I promise, but I do simply ask that you would stand for the reading of God's word, as we do believe that it is God's word. So stand with me as we read from Nehemiah chapter 8. Hear now the word of God. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all people stood. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Aku, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maseah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah, the Levite, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, God's people have returned from exile to a destroyed Jerusalem. Nehemiah is the governor, Ezra is the priest, and they are together a dynamic duo. They exhibit incredible leadership in navigating all the difficulties before them, and together they set about rebuilding Jerusalem. They start with the building of a wall. This text from Nehemiah was the assigned text for today, so we will be talking about a wall. I am, though, offering a disclaimer. This conversation on walls has nothing to do with what's going on nationally. This is not intended as a commentary on building or not building a stretch of wall on our southern border. I am not qualified to discuss such matters. This text is very simply the text for today, and we will read it to understand what God wants to say to us, his people, through it. Now that the disclaimer is made, I'll get back to Nehemiah. An alliance of foreign enemies is making plans to attack, so God's people begin by building this wall. They need to have safety around them. 
But half of them are simply standing around with weapons to keep people safe, and the other half are building a wall with one hand while holding a weapon in the other. Pause for a moment to picture that, would you? The task they're trying to accomplish rebuilding Jerusalem, houses, markets, schools, and above all, the temple in the middle of town. But there are enemies planning to attack, so they need safety around them. Can you imagine a less effective way to accomplish rebuilding a city than half your laborers doing nothing but keep watch and the other half working with only one hand? It's ineffective. It doesn't work. Which is why, of course, they have the brilliant plan to start with a wall in the first place. The goal is, in the end, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the city. Because... They need to be ready for attack at any time. They have to start with the wall first. The importance of the wall is freeing people in the end for the work that matters. Because once it's built, you don't have to have 50% of your people standing guard and you don't have to have the other 50% working with one hand. You're no longer working at 25% efficiency. So now you can have a few of the people on the wall after it's built and everyone else can get back to the task that matters, rebuilding Jerusalem. The wall lets people focus on what really matters instead of always being ready for an attack. I think as a church we've started living without walls. Every decision we have is up for grabs. You have to decide what it means that you need to love your neighbor, that you need to forgive, that you need to keep the Sabbath, that you need to give to God. You need to decide how to date as a Christian or how to handle money as a Christian. And you need to make all of these decisions by yourself, just you and God. And because we're busy people, we end up trying to make those decisions on the fly in the moment. That means our spiritual life is like God's people, three-quarters distracted and never fully focused. When should I do my devotional today? Do I have time before breakfast? And by the time you spend five minutes thinking about whether or not you have time to do it before breakfast, you're late, so you halfway listen to something on your way to work, worrying about a problem that's already waiting for you there. How much? Should I give to God? Do I forgive that person? Do I go to church today? Does God expect me to help them? You see, without these structures around us, without walls, we have to make every single decision in the moment, on the fly, and that is an exhausting way to live. I like to describe to you one of the most boring people you could ever meet. His name is Seth Godin. Seth wakes up at the same time every morning. He eats the same thing for breakfast, a frozen banana, hemp powder, I don't even know what that is, hemp powder, almond milk, a dry plum, and some walnuts in a blender. He does not drink coffee in the morning. He's self-employed but leaves for work at the same time every single day. He rents an apartment that is just for work and work alone. He has the most structured, ordered day you could ever imagine. He lives a boring life. His life feels annoyingly, boringly, painfully structured. 
But this is Seth's claim. He lives his life by making all the decisions in advance that he can, by making all those decisions in advance, what he's having for breakfast, what time he's leaving for work, by only doing work at work, by making all those decisions in advance, it frees him up to focus on what really matters. He doesn't spend all of his energy deciding on breakfast, so he has more energy to spend with his kids. He's a weird guy. But he's built walls in his life so he can focus on what matters. And I don't know, but maybe it's working for him. He's founded two companies, written 18 bestsellers, 7,000 blog posts, and started his own school. I'd say maybe, just maybe, the structures are working. His claim is that the walls he builds around his life, the rules that guide his day-to-day living, they free up the mental space and energy for focusing on what matters. God's people gather together and they build a wall for safety so that they can focus on the rebuilding of Jerusalem without fear of being attacked. And once they have physically set up this wall so that they are safe, they turn to God's word to remember what other laws they need to follow in order to be spiritually free. So the priest Ezra stands up and all the people stand with him and he reads the entire Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we know as he stands to read, they hear the stories of how God created about Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, how God freed their ancestors from Egypt. And they hear the Ten Commandments, you can only have one God. And they get to Leviticus and they lose a little steam because it's a little bit hard to get through. They learn all the laws, they hear them again. They hear, keep the Sabbath. That's a wall. That's a wall built around one day a week. You can work six days, but on the seventh, on the seventh, that's reserved for God. They hear laws about what to do when you sin, how to be free from those sins, what to do in any given situation. They build these walls around them. They hear the laws of the Lord, and then they can focus on what really matters, on your family, on your job, on living life fully, on having a relationship with God. I will say that if you have the wrong walls in place, that's a prison. If you're living with the wrong wall, that's a prison. We know this. We have watched the church chase down laws at the expense of its people. We have watched the church treat salvation as something to be earned. We have watched the church use the laws to manipulate others and build itself up. The wrong walls, that is a prison. But, but if you have the right walls, the right laws in place, that is true freedom. You see, when God gave the first law, there wasn't water, much less phones connected to the internet or email. They didn't date. Your parents told you, I found you a spouse. They didn't have to decide when to do their homework because they didn't go to school. They didn't have to figure out what was for dinner because it was almost always lentils and bread. But now our lives are filled with decisions, saturated with decisions, 
decisions that Scripture doesn't even cover. So maybe, just maybe, we should build some walls, build some walls to protect our spiritual lives, to help us focus on what matters. Maybe we need some walls around our phones and around dating and around how to be married well. Maybe we need some walls so we can give God 100% instead of working at 25% capacity. In Nehemiah, as Ezra is reading the law, there are some people walking around. Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Aku, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masaiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josephat, Hanan, and Peliah. They walk around the people of God to help make sense of what is being read. They walk around in the crowd and make sure that all understand the word of God and what it means for how they live. Now, we don't have a Hodiah in our pews, but you do have a Micah, which is a good Hebrew name, and you have a Brian, and you have a Sadie, and you have a Johnny, and you have a Dust, and a Beth, and a Connie, and a Stella. You have all of these people. Together, we work to understand the words that God gives us. Together we make sense of the laws, we build the right walls around us that we might fully understand the freedom God has for us. We build the right walls. Because wrong walls are a prison. The right one, the right one, that is freedom. Let us pray. Lord, we give you all the thanks and all the glory for this group of people that you have bound together. Lord God, we look around and realize that together we work to understand your laws. We work to understand the words that you have given us and to put them in our lives and live them out. We ask today that you would give us the courage to cut things out of our lives that distract us from you and to get back to the basics of following the laws that you have put before us. 